Welcome to the Living Anchored Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Shores Church in St. Clair Shores, Michigan. My name is Scott Lorraine, and I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and we'd love for you to take a few moments and listen to our most recent sermon. We believe that it will bless your life and help you live a life anchored to Jesus Christ. Well, welcome back to the Shores Church. So great to have you with us today. We're kicking off a brand new series today, and it's called Dinner Guys. It kind of goes back to our series earlier in the year, At the Table. In that series, we talked about why we should invite people to the table. And in this series, we're going to look at some individuals that we need to invite to the table. That The, the idea that these are going to be our dinner guys. We know why we need to bring them to the table so they can hear the gospel. Their life can be changed and transformed. But now we're going to talk some very distinct individuals. And we're going to look at this through the lens of the... Easter story of the resurrection story of, of Jesus going to the cross, dying at the cross, and being resurrected, because there's a lot of individuals in this story, and all of them ultimately need to be dinner guests at the table. So before I jump into today's individual, who is Judas, I want you to repeat after me. Your word is written in my mind. Your word is hidden in my heart. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will seek you with all of my strength. I choose to live my life according to your word. Your word, O oh Lord, is eternal. Well, as we look at Judas, we're going to be looking primarily through the lens of the book of John. John really pulls out a lot about Judas and really looks at him probably with the fairest perspective of any of the Gospels. And so we're going to be looking at every single time today that John talks about Judas. And we're going to start all the way back in John chapter 6. Now, there's a lot here. And so instead of just reading the entire passage, which you are welcome to do, what I want to do is just kind of summarize it a little bit. That as we look at this passage, we see that Jesus had just taught the 5,000. He had spent a long time with them. That he ends up then needing to feed them. He, uh, he fills them with their, their stomachs. That the disciples go across the water. That Jesus then walks on the water to catch up with them to leave the crowd. The crowd wakes up the next morning. They have no idea where Jesus is. They realize that one boat left. They didn't realize that Jesus walked on the water, but that there's one boat that was gone that was there the night before. So they all get on boats, they all cross the water, and they find Jesus. Now Jesus begins a difficult teaching for his disciples. And I use the word disciples in this context of all the individuals who are following after Jesus. Yes, we have the 12 disciples that would eventually be known as the apostles, but this is an entire grouping of people who were following Jesus and listening to his teachings and his challenges. And Jesus really in this moment foreshadows to the Last Supper for the very first time. And he talks with this broader group of disciples that uh, you need to be able to partake in my body and partake in my blood, bringing attention to the bread and to the cup. And they're not getting it in this moment. And so in this moment, there's a lot of these disciples who then just start to leave. They didn't like the teaching, they didn't understand it, and they kind of said, you know what, I'm, I'm done with this Jesus thing. And so what I want to start reading out of scripture this morning is John chapter 6, verse 60 through 71. So would you read this with me this morning? When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? 
But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simeon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. The first point that I want to pull out of that passage of scripture is this, is that Jesus knows you better than you know yourself, and he came for you anyways. That passage of scripture, as we read it, it said that Jesus knew who wasn't following him in return, and he knew who would betray him. He knew all of this in advance, yet he did what he did anyways. He was in the day of multiple teachings in person, and he met what their needs were. He met their spiritual needs, he met their physical needs, and he knew that they were going to turn on him, that they weren't going to follow him, that one was going to betray him, but he did it anyways. He loved them so much that he would put himself out there, pour everything out so that he could make an impact in their lives for eternity. Jesus knew what Judas was going to do. He knew that Judas was going to betray him, yet Judas was invited to be a part of the twelve. I want you to realize that, is that Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him, yet he was invited to the table. He was invited into the twelve. He was invited into community with Jesus anyways, because Jesus wanted to pour into him. It's going to matter at the end of this message today, so hold on to that thought. But Jesus invited Judas because he had to be at the table. He had to be one of the dinner guests. Now, here's something I want you to realize is that Jesus is doing all of this and is loving other people. He's meeting them in advance before they even turn on him, before they even walk away from him. And we struggle to forgive people who've done us wrong in the past. Jesus is forgiving and not holding on to offenses that he knows is going to happen in the future. Yet we're still struggling in our past. And we can't get over it. We can't get over offenses. We can't get over things that we need to forgive people about. Let me just encourage you this morning that Jesus, he would not only forgive people for things they've done in the past, but he forgave them. He pre-forgave them so that people could walk in freedom. And so often we're so quick to not forgive and we're so quick to hold on to offenses that we ruin relationships that we could restore but we don't want to even get over things in the past, let alone the future. So if we want to look more like Jesus, we need to get over the things that are in our past so that we can focus on the people that are in our present so that we can be our best for people in the future. And it starts with us not holding on to offenses and forgiving people because if Jesus can know what we are going to do in advance and still love us and still come for us and still invite us to the table, then we should be willing to forgive and not hold offenses of people that the things that they've done in our past so that we can invite them to the table as well so that they can meet Jesus and that they can move forward. Now, let me say this at the same time. While you don't want to hold on to an offense, you, you want to be able to forgive people. If that would put you in a spot where you would be 
uh, with somebody that would, has physically hurt you or emotionally hurt you, there is a difference here. You need to forgive them. You need to move on, but you don't need to put yourself in a spot to be hurt again. If you find yourself in a spot where you're being physically hurt, emotionally hurt, you need to get out of that situation and you need to get somebody to help you whether it's somebody within our church or whether it's somebody in your community, if you're watching and you're not from the St. Clair Shores area, but don't allow yourself to be continually physically or emotionally hurt, but you do need to forgive them. And I know that's a struggle. I know that's much easier said than done, but we need to move to a spot because that's who Jesus was. He forgave the people who put him on the cross and, and took his life. He was forgiving them as they were doing it. So we, if we want to look at Jesus, we need to move that way too, but we don't need to put ourselves in a spot to continue to get abused. So make sure that you, you hear me say that this morning. Ministry is hard. As you're sharing the truth of Jesus with other people, people are going to say things about you. People are going to talk badly about you, that they're going to misunderstand you. They misunderstood Jesus. But realize this, is that they are individuals who need to know who Jesus is. You keep reaching out. You keep pouring out. You keep speaking life. And you'll be amazed when all of a sudden the, the light bulb will go on one day as you continue to pray for them, as you continue to fast for them, as you continue speaking truth uh, to them, that one day that light bulb can go on. Don't give up because Jesus knows you better and came for you. We should know and care and pray for the people that are in our path that Jesus has put there so that they can meet who Jesus is anyways. If he would come for us, he would come for them. And it's our job to help introduce Jesus to them. Now, the next point that I want you to, to hear this morning, it's going to tie into our next passage in John as well, is that Jesus values people, even people who don't value other people. Hear that one more time, that Jesus values people, even people who don't value other people. Jesus wanted Judas to have proximity to the table. He wanted him to be at the dinner party. He wanted him to be a dinner guest. Because he wanted Judas to view people the way that he viewed people. Same thing for us. We need to view people the way Jesus did, not the way Judas did. Or really at the time, any of the other disciples. Because Jesus is viewing them the way God views them. The other disciples at the time were really viewing them the way that their perception from their past allowed them to. We need to be able to put our past perception aside so that we can look into the future and look at the potential in people the way Jesus did. So this next passage of scripture, this next uh, point comes from John chapter 12. We're going to read verses one through eight. So would you read with me this morning? Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with me, but you do not always have me. Judas really valued people because he cared what they could do for him, not what he could do for, for them. Jesus then would in turn 
he would care about what he could do for people, not what they could do for him. That even plays out to this day, that Jesus cares more about what he can do for you, not what you can do for him. But in turn, because of what Jesus did for you, you then go out and tell other people about Jesus so that Jesus can do it for them as well. It's that continual cycle. But we get stuck in the Judas mentality of what can this person do for me? What can their stature do for me? What can their title do for me? What can their wealth do for me? And we, we look at all these things because we want to advance in our earthly kingdom, that we want to advance in our earthly jobs. We want to advance and grow our, our titles, our responsibilities, our finances, all of these different things that Jesus was really trying to get Judas to focus on the right thing here is that, yes, there will always be poor. There's always going to be people you can help, but I'm here with you right now. This is your opportunity to have things totally different in your life if you'll simply allow it. That Jesus didn't look at people the way Judas did. He saw their potential. He saw what their future was. He saw who they could be. So often when we look at all of the stories of Jesus, Jesus, that he was an individual who saw the future potential of that person. And when everybody else is ready to, to cast them off, is to write them off, to uh, throw stones, whatever it may be, that Jesus saw who they could be and spoke life to what they could be. Hold on to that thought because it's going to come back later in regards to the Judas. The irony here is that Jesus was looking at Judas and saying that I see what you can be, that if you'll simply turn your heart over to God, if you'll simply turn the heart over to God, you could do incredible things, but you have to approach this with the right mentality. You have to realize that what she's doing is more important than what you're currently doing. And Judas, for the longest time, his he, he's with Jesus. He's a part of the disciples. He's a part of this group because he believes in Jesus, but he's starting to doubt that Jesus is going to do what Judas thought he was going to do. And that's the problem with us so often, is we look at the, the Judas perspective of, this is who we think Jesus is. This is who we think God is. And when God doesn't start moving the way that we expect it, or we want it, or Jesus doesn't show up when we expect him or when we want him, that we get upset and we say, you know what, I'm done with this God thing. That's not how God operates. God doesn't bow to our whim, we bow to his. And so when God does something, we need to be ready to move when God says move. Now, here's the, the, the thing that I want you to realize about this. It's really easy to approach life looking at what other people are doing and criticizing. But if God's telling them to do it, you got to trust the fact that God has a reason for it. That there's a reason that as, as we look at the, the pre preparation for, for Jesus' death, this, this is an intentional moment, the anointing of his feet with this perfume. In the grand scheme of things, perfume doesn't mean anything. I mean, Judas just wanted it because of the money. But it was the heart and the action that was on display here. And Judas was not lining up. The next point that we're going to talk about this morning is this, is that Jesus will serve people, even those who will betray him. Jesus will serve people, even those who betray him. The next time we see Judas, it's just a little bit later in chapter 13, that in, in this passage of scripture, we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. And he'll show up again in chapter 13, but this first moment is in verses 1 through 5. So would you read this with me this morning? Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son to betray him, 
Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. Hear that again. Jesus knew what was about to happen, and Jesus washed the feet of Judas anyways. Jesus knew that he was about to be betrayed. He knew that the cross was coming, and he still washed Judas's feet. Think that through. We, Like I said earlier, we struggle to forgive people. We hold offenses against people for the past, maybe last week, maybe last month, maybe last year, maybe five years ago. We hold offenses in, in unforgiveness. But the struggle is that we need to keep moving forward. So if we're stuck back here, then there's no way that we could wash the feet of an enemy. And Jesus knew what Judas was about to do, and he already had forgiven him. He already chose to not hold an offense. He already chose to believe that Judas had some potential out there. And so he washes the disciples' feet, including, including Judas. Why? Because Judas needed to be a dinner guest. That Judas needed to be invited to the table. That he needed proximity to the gospel because Judas, he could have his life changed. He very well could, even though he knew that he was going to betray Jesus. He had that potential. He had that ability. And so Jesus, knowing what he would do, still invited him to the table. Now, the next time we're going to see uh, Judas pop up, it's just a little bit later in chapter 13, verses 21 through 27. And here's the next point this morning is Jesus checked his emotions at the door. Jesus checked his emotions at the door because he loves people. So often we struggle with our emotions because we feel right in our anger. We feel right in our frustration. We feel right in our sadness. We feel right in our depression. Whatever it is, we feel right having the emotions that we do and we want to hold on to them and we don't want to get rid of them. Now there's moments and the Bible tells us that there's a season to be happy and a season to be sad and a season to mourn and a season to be glad. But when we hold on to the emotion that is past that season and we're, we're not letting go of anger. Now, because we're not supposed to sin in our anger. Anger in itself is not a sin, but we're not supposed to sin in that anger. And if we won't let go of sin, that's, or I'm sorry, when we won't let go of anger, that's when sin can come into play. So let's look at John chapter 13, verses 21 through 27. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, What are you going to do? Do quickly. So as we, we hear this, did you catch it? That Jesus identifies who his betrayer is in front of all the disciples. He, he essentially says, Okay, Judas, go do it. Go do it quickly. He's not mad at him. He knows what's coming. That you, you think in your mind you would say, you know what? You're going to betray me. Get out. 
But that's not Jesus here. He knows what needs to happen. He knows that this moment right here is going to set up all of the prophecy, that this had to happen in order for everything to matter, for everything to change, for the new covenant to come in. This moment needed to happen. And so he checked his emotions at the door because Judas needed to be invited to the table. He needed to be a guest at the table. He, he realized the fact that Judas had an ability. He could see Judas into the future, that when everyone else might be looking at Judas right now, we definitely look at Judas for what he did. Jesus was looking with a different perspective. He was looking at future Judas and what Judas might become. We're going to come back to this, I tell you, in just a few moments. But when we follow what God wants us to do, we realize that things may not happen the way we want them to do or to be the way we want them to go, but that's okay. If we follow God's will, it doesn't matter what it looks like because our objective is not to create a perfect life here, but it's to grow God's kingdom. And so if God wants to do something different, if he wants it to look different, if he wants to uh, totally surprise us, that's on God. God can do what he wants. We just have to willingly follow him and trust him that his plan is better. You realize in this moment, this is one of the most critical moments, one of the greatest teaching moments of Jesus's ministry. This is his last time pouring into the disciples before he uh, goes to the cross and everything changes forever. And Judas was invited at the table. The one who would betray him was invited to the table. Why? Because Jesus could check his emotions at the door because he loved Judas more than what his emotions are. We need to work out our emotions and let them go so that we can put our focus on advancing the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That is the only thing that matters. The only thing that matters. Now we're going to jump ahead to John chapter 18 verses 1 through 4. So would you read this with me this morning? When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? Now, the Gospel of John doesn't mention Judas past this point. So we see the point of betrayal in the, the Gospel of John, but we don't see any more about Judas. We don't hear any more. We don't hear what Judas got for betraying Jesus. So to get that part of the component, we need to go back to Matthew chapter 26, verses 14 through 16. So read this this morning with me. Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. One of the things I want you to realize about this is that Judas went to the Last Supper with the money in pocket. That he was looking for an opportunity. And as soon as that meal is done, he goes and gets the Pharisees and the guards and everybody. He knows where Jesus is going to go to the garden. So then Judas then brings everybody with him. It wasn't a matter of he's striking the deal afterwards. He walked into that moment with the deal done. And it was for 30 pieces of silver. So now when scholars, they go back and they look and they try and assess based off of the expectations of how heavy those coins would have been. It basically boils down to approximately $200 in today's money. 
that Jesus was sold out for $200 worth of today's money. Really just a matter for, depending on the job, a couple days salary. That Jesus, the son of God, God becoming man, the word becoming flesh, was sold out for about $200. But it's deeper than that. There's a reason why it was 30 pieces of silver. And to understand why it was 30 pieces of silver, we need to go back to Exodus chapter 21, verse 32. And it says this, If the ox gores a slave, male or female, the owner shall give to their master 30 shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. It basically goes back to Old Testament law that if an ox were to kill a slave, this is the worth of a slave is 30 pieces of silver. So for Judas's perspective and the Pharisees' perspective, that Jesus was no more worth than the slave. It wasn't like they put a high price on Jesus's head. They basically said, this guy's worthless. This guy's a slave. He's a nobody. And the thing that I want you to realize is that Jesus, the son of God who descended from heaven so he could live this life, and be treated this way, and go to the death that you and I deserve, he really stepped in and, and took over what we deserved. He became nothing so that we could become everything that God had ever desired us to be, to have that restoration of relationship with us. He did it so that someone like Judas could be invited to the table, so that Judas could be a dinner guest at the table we're about to get to that reason why. Let's look at now Matthew chapter 27, verses 1 through 6. And it says this. When morning came, the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate the governor. Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. But the chief priest, taking the pieces of silver, said, it is not lawful to put them into the treasury since this is blood money. This main point that I want to get to today is this, is that Jesus doesn't give up on anyone. Jesus doesn't give up on anyone. And I want you to hear why. This is why Judas had to be invited to the table. This is why he was a dinner guest. Is that, yes, Judas very likely was destined to betray Jesus. But what happened after the betrayal could have changed everything. When we think of Peter, Peter is known for denying Christ three times. But he gets restored. His relationship gets restored with Jesus. And then all of a sudden, he is this founding father of the early church. And everything changes. Imagine this this morning. I don't know where Judas wound up. I'm not going to preach him into heaven. I'm not going to preach him into hell. That We'll find out one day. We'll find out when we get to heaven. But the reality of it is this. Is that Jesus was betrayed by Judas. Judas realized that he did wrong and that Judas ends up taking his life because of it. If Judas had just simply followed and paid attention to the, the teachings of Jesus, he would have realized that the blood of Jesus, the, the death on the cross, it was enough to cover Peter's denial, but it was also enough to carry uh, Judas's betrayal. 
that Judas could have received forgiveness. Now, I like to hope in my mind and believe in my mind that as Judas was taking his last breaths and having his last thoughts, that he asked for forgiveness. I, it's my hope, it's my prayer, and I, I hope that we'll see Judas in heaven. I know that might sound crazy to you, but I authentically do, because it's God's desire that none shall perish. But it's in that moment that Jesus knew that Judas had to be invited to the table, that he had to hear the teachings, he had to hear of the, the love of God, because while Jesus knew that Judas would betray him, he knew that Judas was going to have to make a decision after that betrayal, whether he would follow Jesus in change or if he would continue in that path. We don't really get to find out what was in Judas's mind in those last moments. But here's the beautiful thing for you and I. That one, you and I have the ability, no matter what we've done in our past, that Jesus wants us invited to the table. He wants us as a dinner guest. And it doesn't matter what you've said about God in the past. It doesn't matter that you've sinned against God in the past. Or you've sinned against people in the past. If you'll simply invite Jesus into your heart, then everything can be changed. Everything can radically be changed and transformed if you'll simply allow Jesus in. He wanted to be Lord of, of Judas's life, and he wants to be Lord of your life. And if you'll simply say, Jesus, come in and change me. I feel like I'm a, a Judas. I feel like I'm a betrayer. I feel like I've, I've sold you out, God that Jesus wants to radically change and transform you. He came for you. He loves you. He's passionate about you. He wants you at the table. And in turn, at the same time, if that's not you this morning, you say, you know what? I'm already following after God. Then have you forgiven everybody? Judas, it's easy to say, well, why would Jesus forgive him? Why, would, why wouldn't Jesus hold an offense? Because he's Jesus and he loves everyone and he's passionate about everyone and he desires none to perish. So when we look at our own lives, we need to have the attitude in which every single person that we come in contact with, whether they drive us crazy or they're our best friends, whether they've done nothing wrong to us or they've done everything wrong to us, they have the ability of being redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we need to treat them that way. We need to pray for them that way. Again, remember, don't put yourself in the harm's way. But we need to be praying for people. We need to be fasting for people. We need to be telling people about who Jesus is. Because with Jesus, nothing is impossible. That all things are possible for those who believe in Christ Jesus. That we can see incredible things happen if we'll simply believe and trust in God. So we're either a Judas and we need to be invited to that table this morning. We need to hear the teachings of Jesus. We need to have our life transformed. Or we know a Judas and we need to invite that Judas to that table because God wants to work in their life. I want to pray for you this morning because you either, you are a Judas and you need to be forgiven this morning. Or you know a Judas and you need to start reaching out to them and passionately going after them. Let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray for my friends as they watch this this morning. Lord, if they find themselves and that they are Judas, they feel like they've sold you out. They feel like they haven't been following you. They, maybe they've heard your, the teachings of Jesus and they've went and done the complete opposite, but they have no relationship with you. Lord, you can change that right now. Lord, I pray that you would just come into their life. Lord, as they say right now, Jesus, be Lord of my life, that you would come in and you would radically change. You would radically transform them so that they would follow after you. Lord, do an incredible work in their life right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, we lift up all of our friends, all of our family, our co-workers, Lord, whoever is the Judas that we're aware of in our life, Lord, that we would begin to forgive them, that we would begin to uh, let go of offenses that are in the past, 
Lord, even things that might come one day, even things that are in, in our future, Lord, that you would allow us to forgive the way Jesus forgave so that we can love the way that Jesus loved. Lord, we just thank you. We love you. We're wildly crazy about you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, as we deal with the dinner guests, you need to invite the Judas in your life to the table because Jesus cares about them, and so should you. As we go to close, would you just repeat with me the Great Commission this morning? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you're here with us next Sunday morning as we celebrate Easter and we talk about inviting uh, Barabbas to the table. Thank you for joining us today on the Living Anchored Podcast. If this message impacted you, please remember to follow so you can see all of our content in the future and share on social media so other people can have their life impacted as well. Our mission at the Shores Church is to help people live a life anchored to Jesus Christ. So your help will definitely help us accomplish our goal. If you're interested in helping support our church financially, please go to theshoreschurch.org, click on Give, and you'll be able to do so that way. Have a blessed and incredible day, and we look forward to having you with us next time.